Dear listener, we hope that you've been enjoying the variety of podcasts that we have on our network. Now is your opportunity to help us by telling us a little more about you. Please visit jcastnetwork.org survey and complete our listener survey so that we can learn more about you and your listening habits. Again, please visit jcastnetwork.org survey. Thanks so much. You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit mikeknopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. I decided to uh, study um, uh, a little bit of, uh, well, not a little bit, all of uh, Sefer Malachi, uh, the book of Malachi in the Tanakh. Uh, And I did so for two reasons. The first is uh, that... um, we read the Haftorah right before uh, Pesach. So this past Shabbat, Shabbat Agadol, we read uh, Sefer Malachi, or a portion of Sefer Malachi, uh, for reasons that, I'm, that I'll get to in, in a moment. But I wanted, uh, first of all, because in normal course of a Shabbat morning, we don't have a lot of time uh, for lingering on teaching uh, uh, the, uh, the, the meaning of a prophetic book. Uh, so it felt to be worth uh, spending a little bit more time uh, just kind of unpacking what's happening in the book of uh, Malachi, especially since uh, it's not one of the books of prophets that is uh, is commonly used in Haftarot. Uh, it's used, I think, only one other time during the year in Haftarot. I think it's uh, ha- uh, Haftarot for Toldot. Uh, we use Malachi uh, uh, because Toldot deals with the relationship between Jacob and Esav, and Malachi opens with a uh, with a, a, a celebration of the destruction of Edom, uh, which the Edomites, uh, who tradition says were the um, descendants of Esav, who is also called Edom because of his redness, and Edom means red. Uh, Edom, in the context of Malachi, probably uh, doesn't actually mean the Edomites. Um, it probably means the Babylonians. So we'll get to that in just a second. So anyway, so um, so we read uh, Malachi. We didn't really have a chance to talk about it. Most of us don't uh, study it uh, uh, in any kind of depth. Um, so I wanted to uh, study it a little bit. And the second reason uh, is, uh, is because my father-in-law, Rabbi Neil Rose, uh, is teaching tomorrow morning uh, in the sermon slot. Um, about uh, Elijah the prophet and why we have uh, Elijah the prophet at the Seder and where that tradition comes from. Uh, and uh, Malachi is uh, the first uh, book of the prophets to allude to Elijah as the harbinger of the Messianic era. Uh, and uh, so Elijah go, gets taken up to heaven in, uh, in, in the second book of Kings uh, without dying. Uh, and um, and eventually there's a rich tradition about what happens to Elijah and how we, God plans on reusing Elijah, um, but not really biblically. That tradition doesn't really exist biblically. Um, the tradition really only that ex, that that extra biblical tradition really comes from uh, Malachi. Really comes from this book that says I'm going to resend Elijah to you, and then some extra biblical books as well. Um, so I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about that. And, and where uh, Elijah's use here in, in this book. Um, 
And, uh, and, and also, uh, I was talking to my father a little while ago and, uh, we were talking about that and I was talking about the seum and he's like, well, you should, you know, you should study Malachi for the seum. And I said, but you can't study a book of, uh, of Tanakh for a seum. It's gotta be. And he said, um, well, if you accept the position of Rav Moshe Feinstein, who was a great, uh, Orthodox, uh, uh sage and, uh, the 20th century. So if you accept his position, then you can do it. I said, I'll accept any position that makes my life a little bit easier. So, um, so anyway, so that's what Rabbi Moshe Feinstein says. You can use the book of Tanakh, uh, to, uh, to make a seum on. Uh, okay. So just a couple of words. So, uh, Malachi is the last of the biblical book of prophets, biblical books of prophets. The, uh, we, you know, we have a, a Bible that's divided into three sections, Torah, Nevim, Ketuvim. Uh, Torah, the books of the prophets, and uh, the hagiographa, miscellaneous writings. Uh, and uh, the books of the prophets are divided really into three sections. There's the uh, Nevim Rishonim, which is uh, the book of Joshua through uh, the books of Kings. Uh, and then there's uh, Nevim Achronim, which are the latter prophets, uh, which is uh, Isaiah... Jeremiah and uh, Ezekiel, uh, and then there is uh, uh, the Treasar, what are known as the Treasar, which are the the twelve minor prophets, um, twelve books of minor prophets. So that's everything. Uh, some of the more commonly read ones are are Amos and Hosea. Uh, you get lots of haftorahs from Amos and Hosea. Uh, by far, the most haftorot are Isaiah. Um, and to a certain extent, also Jeremiah and Ezekiel get a bunch. Um, but you get some from uh, uh, Amos and Hosea. Uh, and then you have um, Zechariah, Zephaniah, Ovadia. Um, you get a, you've, uh, 12 other minor prophets. Malachi is the last one. Now, not all the books of prophets are arranged chronologically. Uh, Malachi is sort of an exception to that rule. It's the last of the books of prophets. Uh, and it's probably the last chronologically too. Um, it's probably, uh, and the, the, the rabbis in the Talmud have a tradition, um, uh, that, uh, um, uh, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, who are the last three of those 12 prophets, uh, are, represent the end of prophecy in, uh, in the biblical era. And after that, they say the Holy Spirit departed from Israel. Um, that's a, the, the notion of prophecy and whether or not there's, uh, still prophecy even after the prophetic period is a subject I think for another class uh, but maybe an interesting one if that's of interest to you you can let me know uh, so Malachi is the last one and contextually it comes uh, during the period of the restoration to Zion okay so uh, in the hagiographer and Ketuvim we have a number of books that uh, that date to that period including one that portrays itself as a as a book of uh, of the prophets which is uh, Daniel, okay, Daniel, uh, purports to be a prophet in, uh, in the Babylonian exile, um, but is actually rather much later than that, which is why he's not in the books of the prophets. Uh, he's in the hagiographer, uh, because he actually was probably closer to the Maccabean period. He may have even been the Maccabean period, uh, or, uh, or sometime, uh, uh, just before it. Um, uh, so, uh, setting the scene, the, people of Judah and the Levites who were living among them uh, uh, were exiled to Babylon in 586 BCE. Uh, the Babylonians are conquered by the Persians in 538 BCE. And uh, the Persian king Cyrus the Great 
enables the exiles to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the Jewish community and rebuild the temple. Uh, they're led by uh, leaders like Ezra the scribe and Nehemiah. Uh, so we have books of the Bible that are that that uh, that, that are ascribed to them uh, and talk about that uh, process and that journey. Uh, and so they restore the Jewish. Uh, uh, Jewish population to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Uh, so those last three prophets actually uh, chronicle uh, aspects of that transition. Uh, Haggai uh, deals with the process of returning to Zion. Uh, Zechariah deals with the process of rebuilding the temple. And Malachi actually uh, now relates to uh, the worship in the temple and the organization of society once it's been restored and once it's been rebuilt. Uh, spoiler alert, Malachi is not so happy with the way things have turned out. Okay, and I say spoiler alert like that because if you have read any of the prophets, you'll know that for the most part, the prophets, uh, their their uh, whole MO is not being happy with the way things are turning out. Right? They are, they are social critics. They are uh, uh, calling uh, the people to task for their failure to uphold their highest standards. What I think is interesting about Malachi is that ostensibly in his time, the people have gotten everything that they've always wanted, right? They were exiled to Babylon. They were restored to Jerusalem. They got to rebuild the temple and reinstitute worship. That's everything the prophets had foretold uh, and uh, and everything that they had yearned for for, for, for decades, uh, if not in some senses millennia, because even before the temple was destroyed, uh, there was tremendous uh, decay and devastation in, uh, in, in Jewish society. So they get everything that they wanted, and it actually turns out to not be working properly. Um, so I think that that's actually a really powerful system. What's not working? The, uh, the priests aren't uh, officiating in the temple service the correct way. Uh, they're bringing uh, improper offerings. Uh, the, the men are marrying the wrong kinds of women. Um, uh, people aren't being punctilious about their tithing. Uh, etc. So there's all sorts of things that people are doing wrong. So I think one thing that strikes me as, uh, as, as particularly interesting about the book of Malachi um, is this, uh, this, this picture of um, how even though things are, uh, look perfect on the outside, uh, there's often brokenness on the inside. I think that that's actually really, and that might be why we read a section of Malachi before Pesach, um, because uh, we are free people now, right? We, we in some ways um, have uh, what we yearned for when we were enslaved in Egypt. So if that's the case, then why still observe Pesach? Why, you know, why do we uh, dwell on our, on our enslavement? Because I think that what Malachi is pointing out is that there's, <clears throat> there's often an inner hidden enslavement. There's, a, there's an inner brokenness, an, an inner devastation uh, that if we aren't sensitive to and attuned to, it compromises the external redemption. And so Malachi says that, uh, that just because you've rebuilt the temple doesn't mean that all your problems are solved. You actually have to function in it properly, right? Just because you're restored in the land doesn't mean that life is hunky-dory. You actually have to tithe it properly. So that's one aspect of it. The second aspect of it is that Passover has lots of laws, 
right? And so we read a story about how the, this is actually unique among the prophets uh, for taking priests to task for not like officiating the ritual function properly. Uh, prophets aren't actually usually concerned with that so much. Usually prophets are more concerned with the social structure of society, with the justice that exists or doesn't exist within society, uh, and not so much the ritual worship of the, of the temple. Here Malachi says, no, I mean, society has its problems too. He points some of them out, but he focuses on the, on the worship of the temple. And I think that we get this at Pesach to say, um, we, we, we do have, uh, outside responsibilities. We ought to uh, use Passover, like many of us do, as an invitation to see uh, the, the slavery and the oppression that still exists in our world and work to fix it. But we also have ritual obligations on Passover. Don't forget those. Don't neglect those. Pay attention to those because they are important and worth doing properly. Um, one of the other things that Malachi focuses on, as I alluded to, is is tithing. I think that's really important. And according to uh, the JPS commentary on this, uh, it's one of the main reasons why Malachi is chosen uh, before Pesach, uh, because the Mishnah notes that uh, that in the four, let me take a step back on that, uh, there are four new years of the year, according to the Mishnah. One of them is the Rosh Hashanah we observe in, in Tishrei, and one of them is uh, is Nisan, the first of Nisan. Um, the first of Nisan, according to the Bible, of course, is Rosh Hashanah, is the real first day of the year. Um, that's another class. Um, but the Mishnah says that on the Rosh on this Rosh Hashanah, on the first of Nisan, uh, Israel is judged according to its produce, right? And what does that mean? It's judged according to its produce, meaning. Have you tithed properly? In other words, have you have you taxed yourself properly? Have you taken from yours to give to those in need and uh, to the communal fund, right? So part of it is associating with Pesach and the Pesach season um, a, uh, a, a responsibility to give of ours to those who are in need. We actually have that uh, uh, built into the contemporary rituals around Pesach, like the ritual of ma'ot chitim, giving money to the poor so that they can use it to make matzah and have grain for Pesach, uh, which if you give, if you sell your chametz, then we encourage you to give a donation that we'll use for ma'ot chitim. Uh, but, uh, but we have, I think, malachi, which deal with, which castigates Israel, return to Zion for not giving tithes properly as a reminder at this season in particular, hello, at this season in particular, that uh, we are supposed to uh, be giving tithes. And then the final thing is uh, the uh, statement about Elijah, right? The first statement uh, after the book of Kings about uh, Elijah being associated with the uh, with the coming redemption. It's interesting here, of course, that um, that Malachi sort of delays redemption. Okay, the people have been restored to the land of Israel to Jerusalem. They had rebuilt the temple. That was supposed to be redemption. That was supposed to be the messianic era, but it isn't yet because people aren't doing things properly. So Malachi says, "Just kidding." The Messianic era is actually down the line. We haven't gotten there yet. We will eventually get there. When we get there, the people who are doing things wrong now are going to be in big trouble, right? The people who are doing things right now are going to be vindicated. And there'll be a, a, a period of, of, of uh, reconciliation and restoration uh, before that day comes. And Elijah will be the person who, uh, who, who comes and brings it. There is a theme running out through, running throughout Malachi. Of, uh, of actually that name, Malachi, of my messenger. 
the people say that the, that the prophet here is not named Malachi. That's just what he's called. Um, and there's that, that term of God's messenger or God's angel repeats throughout. Elijah is one of them. But God also notes that the priests are supposed to be my, my malachim. My, they're not acting like my messengers. So there's a sense in here that the proper disposition of, uh, of, of Israel uh, in their service of God and each other is to be messengers of God. And the way in which you know society will be restored to the way it ought to be is that God's messenger will come again. That's, I think, one of the reasons that we have, we open the door for Elijah at the Seder. Uh, the notion that, uh, that, that eventually redemption will come. Elijah will, will bring it. Redemption, according to tradition, uh, it will, will come during the Passover season, as it did, uh, in, in ancient times. Uh, and, uh, and that, um, and that just as at the Seder table, there has to be reconciliation together, right? We, we, we break the matzah at the beginning of the Seder. We eat the avikomen, and then we open the door for Elijah, right? So there's a, there's a, uh, restoration that happens during the Seder. By the way, the middle matzah is covered under two whole matzahs, showing that there's uh, that there's wholeness on the surface, but brokenness internal, right? Which is a theme of, of Malachi, right? So there's restoration that happens, and then redemption can come. Then Elijah will come and usher in redemption. So uh, the book, book concludes, or the rabbis say that we should conclude the book with a penultimate verse. Hine anochi sholeach lachem et navi, yom Lo, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the coming of the awesome, fearful day of the Lord.